Let's go down to the urban homestead, Pasadena by the freeway. Right down there on the urban homestead, Jules and his family are working away. Come on down to the farm in the city, back to the future, back to the plan. Right down there on the urban homestead, loving the life back into the land. Oh, ooh, ooh. help the garden grow, singing. Oh, ooh, ooh. we've got to help the garden grow. Welcome to the Urban Homestead Radio. We are your hosts, Anise, Justin, Jordan. Special thanks to our sponsor, Layman's, in Kidron, Ohio. For over 60 years, they have provided practical, non-electrical tools and appliances and home goods. Our family has been a huge fan of theirs since the 1990s and have purchased many quality products for our own homestead. When technology fails, their products will certainly work. So check out their website and online catalog at layman's.com, and that's L-E-H-M-A-N-S.com. We appreciate the support of this podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, Food Alchemy, whose Papua coffee is the only coffee we drink here on the Urban Homestead. We also offer their coffee to our farm box customers. The essential oils unique to Papua coffee promotes pH balance and detoxification. Organically grown in a pristine tropical rainforest, Food Alchemy's Papua coffee is Rainforest Alliance certified. Order your next cup at livingbeyondorganic.com. So hi folks, thanks for tuning in. Today we have special guest Lee Adams. Lee Adams is an active leader in the urban sustainability movement and is an artist in residence at LA Arboretum's Crescent Farms. She also is an avid rainwater collector and has created a swell rainwater catchment system in her backyard in Altadena. So hi Lee, thanks for joining us today on our podcast. Pleasure having you here. Um, first met you well maybe it was eight or ten years ago um kind of in passing i was teaching we were teaching a jam making class at westridge and we saw you and tell us what you do at um our local school so people um know what you um you know all the good things that you do in the community what i'm up to at most schools in westridge in particular is teaching kids how to be in the outdoors and understand what's going on and where we are failing in our current paradigm and how they can be the agents of change. Uh, One of my most exciting things that I did at Westridge, at Westridge I teach soil science, uh, a hands-on approach to soil science. I teach um, creating habitat gardens and I teach community service. And in that community service hat, we were walking to the Ronald McDonald Gardens and mm-hmm. to put in a garden there for, mm-hmm. so the kids have that experience of contributing to other people. Nice. And some of the kids at the Ronald McDonald House have such um, intense treatments that they can't leave the sterile room that they're in and they look out into the garden. Mm-hmm. So we were creating a habitat garden that those kids could look out on and feel better. Is this and a lifelong dream or how did you get started? Like. 
Um, from the get, from a child, you were interested in it, or uh, were you? When I was five years old, my uh, father gave me a tomato plant. I wanted a garden. Mm -hmm. Both my parents gardened, and I wanted a. a I wanted a garden, and my mother said, "Oh, it's a waste of space." <laughs> and uh, my and we were country folk, so I really wasn't. It was that I was a nuisance. To her. So country folk speaking, where so where did you grow? Central California. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad said, "Oh, Marion, it can't hurt to give her a tomato plant." And then when my mom wasn't looking, he gave me a dahlia bulb. <laughs> well, I planted my tomato plant, which turned out to be cherry tomatoes, perfect for a kid. And I loved that plant so intensely <laughs> that it grew to be like a mountain and had some of the most delicious cherry tomatoes and a long season crop. It just kept producing. <laughs> and my dahlia, oh, my dad who raised dahlias was, uh, he was, what are you doing to it? Love. <laughs> it's love. love. It is love. It is love. At UCLA, I took a class in um, parapsychology and there's um, curly in photography and you can measure the effect of love mm -hmm. on plants you can feel the effect of love on plants right here and mm -hmm. and for those of us who have our gardens we know there's a difference it makes a huge difference mm -hmm. so that's what got me started when I was five and I've <laughs> grown all well, my life and she's still going <laughs> so when did you get involved in the schools here in the well, what happened at Westridge that that really made me become so much more um, proactive is that as I walked the girls over uh, five and a half years ago, we had a massive storm in 2011. Mm -hmm. I was walking yeah, I the that. girls over to Ronald McDonald's house, mm -hmm. and I had talked to them about lawns and trees and the environment and then I asked them to look for things that they thought might be improved upon mm -hmm. and as we walked over there there's six blocks or something they said oh look at this this tree has been sawed off oh look at this little tiny space that this tree is in oh look at this oh look at this they just opened their eyes they opened their eyes and each of those trees that those girls identified as we walked over and we walked, by the time we came back, they were even more adamant about this shouldn't be happening. Mm. And then, then during that week came that massive storm mm -hmm. and guess what trees went down? The trees the girls had identified. Oh my. And that made me say, okay, this is where we're going with this. So we, next time I came to school, I, I just told them what a great job they had done and how we had talked about all the reasons that might cause the tree to fail and then it happened. Hmm. So I said it's really easy though to see it in somebody else's backyard. Mm -hmm. Let's look on campus. Mm -hmm. And so as we started walking around campus and identifying tree issues on campus, um, the question came up, what is next? Do you then report it to someone and yeah. expect someone else to deal with it? Mm -hmm. Or do you teach the girls that they must insist that this gets taken care of and to be part of that solution? Mm -hmm. And so those girls then helped remove the lawn around trees mm -hmm. uh, that were getting cuts from weed whackers right. and lawn mowers mm -hmm. and to improve the health of those That's trees true. and make a difference right there on their own campus. Then of course they take that information home 
and they're the experts. They're, they have the information then. So that, that pushed me into more education and outreach and feeling like even though it's time for me to retire and be in a hammock on a beach somewhere, <laughs> I probably should uh, not do that. I should go to a different school and reach more children and through them their parents and hopefully make the changes. You are making a difference. Speaking yeah. of different yeah, schools. Different school, exactly. School next door. So oh. tell us what you did at our neighbor school, New Horizon. And New Horizon. Yeah. One of the things I did was to help them with their fundraising mm -hmm. for the garden there. They had um, a grant to help them start the Peace Garden, but they didn't have enough money to actually carry it out. Mm -hmm. So part of analyzing a, a situation, I got a drone. I'm not a fan of drones, but I got a drone. You made some good photography, I have to admit. Yeah. Yes, and when parents could see yeah. how their children, where they drop their kids off in front of the school, yeah, that's where they're... Re they don't yeah. actually... It's a three-acre campus. So I think very no few clue. actually went back there. Very yeah. few ever went back there. Mm -hmm. But when there's a picture of this ugly background mm -hmm. to the school... Where's that? The possibility of uh, Marco Barantes, um, La Loma Development, did a beautiful uh, watercolor sketch of what it could be, but they didn't know that was possible back there. Mm -hmm. So the drone photography actually helped us with the fundraising. It has its uses. Yeah, it does have its yeah. uses. And you did some beautiful mosaics. Oh, yes. Um, one of the things I believe in intensely is in creating increasing the stakeholders in any project mm -hmm. and I believe to the core of my being that everyone wants to contribute they just don't know how and we don't have That's enough true. vehicles mm -hmm. for them mm -hmm. so it might be that the guy at the hardware store would be happy to contribute mulch mm -hmm. if anyone asked, asked him yeah. um, and the thing that it's when you're asking for yourself it's it doesn't work because that's not but when you ask on behalf of a school or a library or the you're asking the to approve yeah. the community mm -hmm. and we're all community members so mosaic is another piece of that it allows everyone to contribute either their broken dishes mm -hmm. or the tiles they didn't use in their bathroom mm -hmm. or to make a piece that goes into the mosaic and so what you do is you increase your stakeholders and the number of people who really care about the long-term outcome of the project. Mm -hmm. And um, so I do mosaic in mm -hmm. every garden that mm -hmm. I'm in. And they're gorgeous. Oh, they're thank beautiful. you. And you also had the, I think you had the children also contribute in making them. The children, designed it the, children them. the teachers, mm -hmm. the parents. Everybody had Visiting, yeah. yes. Yeah, and then, and then and, and that was the hands-on. And then in between the, I think it took about two years for from the thing. And then in the between concept. you did like, quote, hands-on workshops. So you did yes. a, um, a couple workshops there. So name what the workshop that the, the parents and the kids were involved in the neighbors too. So it was actually posted as a community. Yeah, event. we were involved yeah. in a couple of those. So yes. tell us what, what So those. Uh, one of those was a Hoogal building workshop. So for our listeners, what is a Hoogal? A Hoogal <laughs> is a German word for mound. Mm -hmm. And mound culture is something I discovered quite by accident. I have property in the Mojave Desert. And it was so beautiful, mm -hmm. I never wanted to build out there. 5,000 feet, the back slope of Big Bear, mm -hmm. pinyon pines, manzanita, Joshua trees, gorgeous. Mm -hmm. 
And then somebody started a fire and didn't have the courage to report it and took off. And that fire burned through my property. And where it didn't burn, the state brought in bulldozers to create a fire break. And so my gorgeous desert property looked like a Tim Burton burnt out cartoon of oh, destruction and carbon. It was heartbreaking. So being nine months pregnant with a gigantic baby, there wasn't a lot I could do about that. Um, I had always camped on, I had a foundation and I camped on that, was there when I bought the property and I camped on the foundation with my husband and or before we got married I camped there and talked him into it after <laughs> and so then I pregnant with this enormous baby I went around and I kicked down anything that I could kick mm -hmm. down and then the giant baby was born and by the time he was two months old it could go in a backpack I sawed down everything else and cut it up and those branches I arranged around the base of the dead trees, the burnt out trees and shrubs. At the same time, I had a German short hair pointer, mm -hmm. a hunting dog. Mm -hmm. I'm not a hunter, mm -hmm. but my dog would hear bullets off in the distance. Mm -hmm. This is a wilderness area. And she'd hear bullets and she'd come in with big rocks. Sometimes her hind feet would go up in the air. The rocks <laughs> were so big. She was, and I praised her. Oh, great. Oh, you know, I don't want her to bring in dead animals. <laughs> rocks are good. <laughs> and so with my um, arrangements of burnt up logs and branches, I put the stones in around the trees. And then I had a second giant baby. We built a cabin so the babies wouldn't be eaten by... <laughs> something bigger than them and um, years passed we went out every weekend and spent summers all our school friends came out and brought their broken things to go into our mosaics which is where my concept of creating community around contribution came from they were contributing broken dishes but then they felt like shareholders in, in the cabin well, after 10 or 12 years, a friend said, would you like to go up and see your property from the plane? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, fabulous. So we hopped in his plane down in Yucca Valley, flew up towards Big Bear, and he generously let me say I was the navigator and he was the pilot. Mm -hmm. And so I said, yeah, you turn left and you turn right, and I'm just looking out the window and, and seeing I think the I road. the street. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, because there weren't a lot of landmarks, and it's pretty much wilderness. So we finally, there's where the road ends, and then my driveway is about a half mile long, off to the left, and there should be two cabins, and, and then my heart just, that feeling, that gut punch feeling that you just made a really bad mistake. It was somebody's farm. It wasn't my cabin <laughs> in the wilderness. And I'm using somebody's expensive airplane fuel to go to the wrong place. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I made a serious mistake. And he said, no, no. Yeah, he was and, watching. <laughs> and I said, 
no, that's somebody's farm. Look. And he said, Lee, that's your property. There's your cabin. And I said, no, green. look. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a farm. It's green. <laughs> and, and there's the burnt out desert for miles around. And he said, no, Lee, that's your property because there's mine. And it's God, it is my property. And it's green. Mm -hmm. and in the middle it, of the desert. In the middle of yeah. the desert. And after fire. After the fire. And it has grown back where I am. The pine trees didn't grow back. Mm -hmm. Or small ones that were missed mm -hmm. came back. But mm -hmm. the but the manzanitas and the oaks, they're all back. And so I'm trying to figure this out. Yeah, How, so what happened there? <laughs> what happened there? So I have to get into physics. <laughs> and the thing is that every one of us knows this. Every one of us knows that if we go over under those pavers mm -hmm. and lift them up, mm -hmm. or we roll over a rock or a log, it's wet underneath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet here in Southern California, where we don't have the water, Mm -hmm. Do we put logs and rocks in our garden? No, we scrape it. We scrape no, we scrape it. We scrape all. We blow it. Blow it to bare dirt, and then we <laughs> scrape it if we have to. Yes. It was like really. So I, I first I find out about the physics. It's just like when we take a shower, and the cooler mm -hmm. surfaces in the bathroom force the moisture to condense out of the steamy air. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Those rocks and logs are cooler than the air temperature but they also absorb moisture and hold the moisture, and then the plants suck the moisture out of it. Oh, so I've increased the soil around the plants while those things are breaking down. I've trapped the moisture. And the soil's not as hot. The soil's, soil's not, not as hot. hot. And wow, look at that, and that's so. So that's well, a hoogle. That's that's not quite a hoogle. Hoogle. That's it's parts of a hoogle. She discovered that. I discovered it. We find it. Then this works. So there is a man in um, Austria named Sepp Holzer. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a book called Desert or Paradise. Mm -hmm. He's written a number of books. Mm -hmm. Sepp Holzer's, Holzer's Permaculture is how I found out about him. Mm -hmm. And then his, but his uh, Desert or Paradise is where he really goes into hoogles and what makes them work and he has transformed vast areas that were completely depleted as many people in the um, reforestation and and um, remediation mm -hmm. part of, parts of the world are doing and bringing land back into production and forest and shelter and lots of good things mm -hmm. and uh, he has transformed from the Extremadura of Spain, uh, a hard pan in Portugal, uh, Israeli desert, um, all, all over the mm -hmm. world he has done this. And it works. So mm -hmm. what you do is you take green waste, um, logs, hopefully logs. Mm -hmm. But even if you don't have logs, in Israel they've had nothing but broken pieces of timber and cardboard. So you use your organic material and you pile it up in the direction of the prevailing winds with where water. Yeah. So if here we want to face towards the ocean and you want to feel the air coming on both hands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That orientation and that crescent is how you're going to capture the water. Mm -hmm. 
So with the logs building up and creating a barrier to that moisture-laden air mm -hmm. leaving, you're trapping it. Mm -hmm. And so when at night, when the air is, when you hit the dew uh, point and the, di the temperature differential uh, means that these are, are colder than the air mm -hmm. and forces the moisture out, then the logs absorb it. And mm -hmm. then through capillary action, the plants are pulling it out of the logs. Well, that mound will last for 20 years, mm -hmm. but even when it's broken down, what you now have is humus-rich soil right. that holds moisture. Mm -hmm. So you've, you've increased the productivity of that spot, increased its ability to harvest its own fluid and to grow things. Right. Mm -hmm. And a hoogle does best when it's planted with at least one tree and, and I have found sunflowers work as well because they have long mm -hmm. fibrous roots mm -hmm. so they're carrying they water fast, through yeah. uh -huh, mm -hmm. and they grow fast and then other things grow in the shelter of that. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a hoogle mm -hmm. and that's, that's one application. So maybe you're on a hillside and you have, so if we were sitting here and this lovely fig was on a slope coming towards us, we could do a horseshoe right. hoogle. We could do a mound of logs where the water is coming, going mm -hmm. to come downhill. We want to trap it right there. Mm -hmm. Another great thing about it is that with that organic matter, what happens when water goes through mulch or wood, it creates humic acid, and humic acid breaks down other compounds. So. If, if there's a pesticide or something right. coming through, it's breaking it down. It's mm -hmm. no longer harmful. Because mm -hmm. yeah, people, yeah. I think, when we were building your the that one at New Horizon, it was you put down logs and then you put down grass clippings. Right, we had grass clippings, and a lot mm -hmm. of the teachers were like, "Well, do you know if it's like sprayed, and do you know if it has chemical?" And you said, "Don't worry about it. It yeah. will break down." And they were just like, "Really?" Because it was like mm -hmm. told all this. But the, the recipe is logs. And yeah, organic, grass clipping. You had newspapers. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Organic matter, and then yeah, and then you put, we put dirt, dirt on top, on top or top. just mulch. I dirt. dirt. I like so. What I like to do is I like to create the the footprint with, with cardboard, the okay, with and cardboard. and that that acts as a weed barrier mm -hmm. and then uh, place the logs and place the just the first row of logs and then put green waste in there mm -hmm. and then put some soil otherwise when if you build up the logs and then try to feed the soil down mm -hmm. into it you you have interstices mm -hmm. that are open yeah that's it falls all. apart yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you did one at the LA Arboretum. Tell us the transformation because, yeah. like the Crescent Farms, you know, the Arboretum. This was a, something new, something native, something wild. And, and what was your part in that, in creating that? Because I think you were saying that the soil there hadn't been. I mean, the, the plants were lush and, and hadn't been watered in like a year. And, <laughs> and then, but you're always adding. It's one of the, like the the wild and wonderful part of the Arboretum. So tell us a little bit about that. So that's the Crescent Farm, and the Crescent Farm, it, they call it um, a water, that water is our crop, that we're demonstrating different ways of harvesting water. Mm -hmm. And we have two hoogles. We have a big industrial-sized park hoogle, mm -hmm. and then we have a smaller, what you might have in your backyard hoogle. And we have French drains that collect water off the swales. road. We have three kinds of swales. The industrial look that the freeways have. Mm -hmm. um, we have an in-ground hoogle swale, mm -hmm. which is a s deep swale that's filled with logs. So they have the same effect of uh, cleansing water 
and absorbing water and keeping the swale walls from collapsing and keeping people from falling in. Mm -hmm. So uh, an in-ground hugel swale, the California freeway swale, and then we have a bioswale. And for those that don't know, a swale is? A sw the definition of a swale is a canal that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, that would define it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. basically, yeah. That's basically yeah. it. Yeah, that, yeah it's, exactly. a, it's a good definition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we don't think about it until we have to actually yeah. put it in. It's a fancy yeah, word. And not only, <laughs> yeah, I know. Ditch in the ground. Exactly. <laughs> and not only are you doing these offsite on your property in Altadena, uh, you know, you've been featured in many articles and, and, and around um, the community. Um, what did you actually do for like, what? Do, so people say, oh, that's great. That's a, the, oh. so what, what, what did you do on your property? On my property, I created, uh, I found mm -hmm. uh, that, that the city of Portland, Oregon, Public Works was very helpful and uh, told me how they, manage their swales in Portland and Portland doesn't need to save water and Washington State doesn't need but they cleanse water so it doesn't leave their city and pollute their bays where they mm -hmm. have aquaculture taking place mm -hmm. so one day in one bay one day being shut down they lose a million dollars so they're very serious about cleaning water it, yeah, yeah. And they do it biotically, all through mulch and uh, plant life and riparian um, exits. So the run, basically the runoff from, city. from the city. The city yeah. 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 And so Portland Public Works was very helpful. It gave me language. And, but when I called Los Angeles Public Works, I was told it was illegal. That you can't, you can't do it, and that stormwater belongs to the city you live in or the county that you, if you're unincorporated. That's just the water on your roof, mm -hmm. um, and other things that make no sense unless you're the water company or the investor in the water yes. company. So um, I talked with a gentleman. And he said, you can't do it. And I said, well, please look on your internal website and see, put in burns and swales. And you'll see a garden that I did at the Arboretum that your golf people are using as a model. And they put it mm -hmm. up on your website. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, then you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Dang right. <laughs> I hope so. so I, um, he, I said, I'd like to speak to your supervisor. So several days later, I got a call from the supervisor who wanted to, I said, are you so-and-so's boss? He says, I'm head of public works for LA County. Now, of course, you know that. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then I said, oh, good, just who I'd like to talk to. <laughs> and then go with that. And I went with that. And um, he said, that it was illegal and that it's messing with their infrastructure and it makes them nervous. And I was using the term um, curve cut, mm -hmm. which isn't a bad word, but it, in with public works people, it's a bad word, right? <laughs> or, and he said, um, no, you, uh, we don't allow that. It, mm -hmm. It's messing with our infrastructure. And I thought about my grandchildren and I said, I don't know about you, 
but I have grandkids. Mm -hmm. And I know, and you know, that the city of Los Angeles has been paying fine, federal fines in every water bill we pay for 20 years mm -hmm. for failure to stop the runoff and point pollution. Mm -hmm. I said, so we, know, we both know that they're going to look on, back on this as the dark ages right. very yeah, soon. Yeah. And you want to be part of the dark <laughs> <in the> light? <laughs> I don't think I scared him. I think everyone wants to be part of the life. Inspired him to be the. And he said, "Do you have to call them curb cuts?" And I said, "I will call them Tinkerbell's wings, if you like." It's all in the name. And he said, "Would you call them Parkway drains?" Okay. I'm like, what? What? What can you get me if I do? I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. I'm just like ready to dance. And he says, well, I can let you have three of them at four inches each. And you. So okay. Well, huh. I want to do that. And he said, well, you have to get a permit. And mm -hmm. I said, fine. Send mm -hmm. me the paperwork. Mm -hmm. um, no problem. Mm -hmm. And then I, I said, you know, we talked about putting shutoff valves mm -hmm. on them to prove that I could manage mm -hmm. the water. Mm -hmm that the long term, I may be moving from there, how will this affect my mm -hmm. downhill property? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I am my downhill neighbor, so mm -hmm. I have the utmost concern for my downhill yeah. neighbor. And my sister is across the street, so I'm very concerned, downhill, mm -hmm. I'm very concerned. Mm -hmm. What we didn't ever imagine, we never, never imagined, was we don't use the term collateral advantage. We use the term collateral damage. We all know that that comes right. next. Yeah. Well, we swales give you a, a collateral advantage. Swales on a hillside taking water in and watering my grounds mm -hmm. and my trees creates a lens underground, but it's on a slope. So it's moving, it's watering my sister's trees across the street mm -hmm. and into the next block. You can see the difference because of the water coming into my property. So when I asked the gentleman, that's what we know now in retrospect, when I asked the gentleman in charge of public works why it was going to be legal, if I use the term parkway drains, he said we never thought anyone would be foolish enough to put their property below grade. Okay, then let me be the first. <laughs> It's my, it's my neck. So yeah, what yeah. year was that? That was seven years ago. So mm -hmm. before the drought. Yeah. yeah. So then to fast forward to two or three years later, uh -huh. LA no County yeah, no. slammed <laughs> five years worth of drought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. And then everybody <laughs> jumps on the bandwagon. Wants Paying to attention to how what to you've save done. water. And there you Where are. And <laughs> Ta -da, there's my Calling backyard. Tinkerbell wings. Tinkerbell <laughs> Providing fruit <laughs> with that water that doesn't belong to me, mm -hmm. that's going to pick up Fred and go into the ocean. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, well, do, you know, do you want to talk to the taxpayers about that? Did did any of us agree to that? No, mm -hmm. no, we didn't. But as the whole Roman grid, Mark Lakeman, and mm -hmm. and we inherited the Roman grid. Yeah, we just and live here, and we just mm -hmm. let the city do what it, they it need to do. It rains it concrete, and then the concrete channels it to, to, to as concrete fast channel as it can. to then to the LA River, then to the ocean. They and they, wonder where, concrete channel. And they wonder where the water, why it's so dry around here. It's Los like Angeles you left that built, water to 
Hercules. to channel the water as fast as it can, can to the off the land and into the ocean. And just we like actually <laughs> did that by building Pasadena because those mountains up there were covered with trees. Yes. Yeah, and were. we cut those mountains, yep. those trees down, and then that water came down much faster and instead of infiltrating. Yeah. Yes. And then they were all scared. And then there was a flood. And then, they, flood. <laughs> and then yeah. they concreted the channels. Which made it move even <laughs> faster. Yeah. I, I because just, I think with the Royal Seco is the water would you know it would meander. go like meander like yes. this so then and it would, it, would it was it was a floodplain you'd have silt and pockets and, and then they just sit, sit. Uh, army yeah. corps of engineers just make a straight line in there straight line to the ocean it's like and why? no trees falling down mm -hmm. to slow no down roots, the water no or no roots no, no, no mud no cattail uh, no. what native americans in the southwest did is they would weave the willow to make like a, a willow basket mm -hmm. that stuck out into an arroyo if an arroyo had a straight area they would weave a, or roots of a willow mm -hmm. or willow itself and then that would trap the debris when there was a water flow and then that created little promontories of soil that they down. could plant yeah. in mm -hmm. and then th there's the arroyo watering their plants yeah. and their their own little hugel creations right there I mean they and actually had it all the water. Out. yeah but yeah. the drought i think one mm -hmm. after five years i think it scared a lot mm -hmm. it woke, woke a lot of people up woke a lot of people yeah. up scared we are in a desert. Mm -hmm. There's 30-something million people here. And, and it's they becoming are, more arid. It was a lot more And they want here. to do, do grass, or they want to do some un-native landscaping, mm -hmm. or something that they mow, blow, and go. Mm -hmm. and it's so not we, sustainable. It's not. So, so that, another thing that we do at the Crescent Farm is that we demonstrate low-water lawn alternatives for people who still want that old model that came from the East Coast mm -hmm. that prior to that came from Europe mm -hmm. of the rich house on the hill with the sheep eating down the in grass. A very <laughs> wet and Meg, in a very <laughs> wet England. In a very <laughs> wet England and it looks like a lawn and we translate that into the house with the lawn and mm -hmm. move it into the middle of the desert where it makes no sense whatsoever. But there seems to be a template in our brains in the same way as we trim our trees when I, like we draw as a child, we make a straight line and a circle on the top. That we cut our trees that way, and then we're amazed when they tip, they break in the wind. But their natural growth habit is coming down yeah. to the ground and mm -hmm. the wind going up over them. But mm -hmm. we make them into parachutes yeah. that catch kites the wind. And sails, yeah. Kites and sails. Interesting. Yeah, that's so, a lot. That's a lot. So, of what is the for other options for lawn in mm -hmm. a desert? And what would be the yeah, option? what would be some of the alternatives for so people who are saying, okay, so I'm I don't want to grow that. veggies, but yeah. I, I yeah. want to be yeah. well, then, I mean, I just also cut in there a lot of with the, the drought, a lot of people were ripping things out and putting in rocks, mm -hmm. which actually generated heat. heat. Yeah. I saw your reaction there, and you have the same reaction I did because <laughs> it was like, oh, what do we do for long, for um, low water? Oh, we rip it out, we put the concrete gravel. and gravel, and you're just like. How did that fix make it? it? You make it just created a heat sink. Uh -huh. You have just dropped your property values. <laughs> you are killing your trees. Your electrical bill is going to go up because mm -hmm. your trees are going to die and you have no more protection. They save the water. Sun. They save yeah. water. And I, mean, <laughs> I look at them all and all the, like I see all the new ones. I'm like, just rocks and gravel well, and concrete. You know what I call it? I call that the drive through Arizona liquor store. <laughs> <book>. <laughs> I say, if that's what you want, but guess what? Your trees are going to die, and then your neighbor's trees are going to die. Yeah. And when you start impacting 
people's property values, they're going to come after you. Not mm-hmm. happy. Not, Not happy. happy at all. Mm-hmm. And so with our loss of the tree canopy, with yeah. drought and less. all these borers, we have to... Yeah. Um, and that's not the problem. I mean, that's not the solution. Everybody kept no. putting no. that in, and, and more and more landscape was putting those rocks in. And I remember no. my dad saying the same thing. He was like, why, why? are they choosing this way? It's actually creating Worse. more of the problem. It's it's generally what they're trying to come up with a solution to a problem, which is actually going to make a problem. Make the problem worse. Make it much worse. Oh. Yeah, so, so what's the what would your alternate so, be for people? Uh, native grasses. Mm-hmm. So at the Arboretum, we're demonstrating Budalua gracilis, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful grass. Um, then we uh, are demonstrating a meadow, which is a house everyone enchanted. Now, we are using water on our summer meadow. But because we use so little water on our food plants and on our arid climate trees and on our lawn substitutes, we figure, okay, well, yeah. we can this splurge. splurge, splurge right here on this small area mm-hmm. where it is filled with color and birds and insects and butterflies. There are dragonfly hordes coming over, so you know it's healthy mm-hmm. and it's alive. And it's alive. It's vibrant. And people cluster around it. We have people, they're all bent over like this, taking pictures of wonderful things. Came in with life. So, um, the, so we have the Budalua, we have the meadow, we have um, Juncus. No, we don't have a Juncus lawn. What do we have? A Carex pregracillus, which is a native grass that tends to lie down and look like a water, mm-hmm. so swishy. And. Um, we don't mow that, and we also have, um, we're trying something that Carl Loomis did at the Loomis house mm-hmm. 80 years ago. He did a uh, Achillea lawn, a yarrow yeah. lawn, yeah. Uh-huh. the Achillea millifolium. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And it grows like a weed, you mow it twice a year, you don't need to water it, and mm-hmm. it's lovely. What I always found about the yarrow wheat grow is like sometimes you might have to, like it would get really big, we'd pull it out uh-huh. and the sun it, but it was always wet underneath. Yes. It was always like it sopping wet. You pull the yarrow the out and it's just like mud. Yeah. I always remember that with the yarrow. It, it, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a, you've created Almost a, like a blanket. It's a like humidity a blanket. Yeah, and a batch. Also, you cut yourself in the yeah, right? <laughs> grab a handful <laughs> and put the yarrow First day, I always too. remember First like day. all the bugs, and it just always, the yarrow is always wet. Under yeah. the, I've never like pulled out the yarrow and found it to I be found dry. found it to be dry. Mm-hmm. No, isn't that yeah. wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> so And it attracts beneficial insects. Oh, yeah. Yahoo! Yeah. Yeah. I have more yarrow lawn. And mow twice a year? Okay, I'm down Where's the yarrow? And American kids all across the board. Mirror, yeah, yeah, I know. Or <laughs> husbands too. Husbands. <laughs> husbands are happy with that. And then we have um, a we have one GMO, and the reason we have it as a G, I saw it at an irrigation conference, mm-hmm. and it is from a native plant, Lipia nodiflora, one of our natives, and it. But they, a Japanese man at UC Davis genetically modified mm-hmm. it so you could spray poison on it, which is never going to happen in my garden. Right. Mm-hmm. But also so it's sterile. And because right. it's such a low water use and mm-hmm. it spreads easily, you, yeah. re- that's, you don't want to have invasive. That's yeah. why. And mm-hmm. I'm not eating it. And I'm yeah. not... And yeah, you don't want to bring in something and have it invasive. You just no. contribute to the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. So what's wonderful about this is that it's squishy. 
it mounds and really? it looks copy. It looks that. like an English cottage garden. Nice. So I put logs down, it grows up over the logs. So if I were doing it in my own backyard, I'd make little children's log furniture and, and let this grow That's over it cool. for the kids to sit on fishing things. It is also awesome. filled with bees, mm. non-stop bees, 20, not 24-7, yeah, but all Sunrise to sunset. Sunrise <laughs> to sunset, we have bees and lovely little flowers, and uh, it uses 40% of the water that a lawn uses, and while they say you can mow it twice a year, we don't mow it at all. Mm. We like that wildness, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. really into... No. The manicured look. I, I think torturing shrubs into looking like lollipops and suppositories <laughs> is a bad idea. <laughs> oh, never look at that way. Now no, I'm going to shrub again. So, oh, no. Yeah, it is that English. England was England. Lawns worked for England. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't work here, you yeah. know, just and people don't realize that. Because yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of green out there. There's a lot of green. And then in one area which we have yet to develop will will eventually be a pollinator garden. Um, we just got people used to the idea of seeing mulch. Mm -hmm. So yeah, one no, they, what are you gonna do here? Oh yeah. it it's under development. Mm -hmm. But by after two years now. They're, they're very used to it and it's like, you know, I really, I'm starting to really like this. And we've mounded it and um, terraced it so it catches more water. Yeah. And see, It was the dad, our father taught us in Florida about the mulch. mulch. His dad taught him about mulch. My grandfather mulched, mulch, mulch. Mm -hmm. And it's, of course, it's humid and a lot of rain over there, mm -hmm. so it decomposes. So when dad came out here, he, mulched. he just called up a tree company and said, dump it. Dump it. So <laughs> we went through, dumping, dumping, we went through maybe, I don't know thousands of cubic yards mm -hmm. of mulch and then it disappeared it just went it was gone we're a foot and it was and hard higher than our neighbors sad now. to see that see that go to the dump because that's yeah. that's dirt he just yeah, hated that's it. your future dirt finally after all this stuff you could see on the side of the road the city of pasadena is dumping mulch instead of in the dump to conserve moisture on the yeah. side of the my dad and reduce weeds. that's changed in the last 10 at least mm -hmm. 10 yeah. years mm -hmm. because yeah. they they were hauling that good stuff they to the dump. It. And taking we we as taxpayers mm -hmm. were paying to take our biomass mm -hmm. to the dump mm -hmm. instead of using it on a site mm -hmm. improving it the till the weeds down yes and now they give away in the passing but, but yeah it was only relatively i remember my yeah. i remember dad just like one time going you know wow they're actually using mulch on the side of the roads now like it was it like took him took him mm -hmm. long it enough. took him long and he for as a job he would do lawn maintenance and generally like it wasn't mow blow and go he did it with like brooms yeah. and rakes mm -hmm. and one of the one of the clients he had just like kept insisting everything be scraped to, out to, under, to dirt. To dirt underneath the bushes so it, and, Dad and then just no like, then they go buy fertilizer uh -huh. they go buy things and, and they so here here we'd have uh, you'd have a mm -hmm. sidewalk and then you'd have a planter and there'd be a plant in there and the leaves Scraped. would fall and they, they would want the leaves they pulled out. Pull so out eventually, the, the sidewalk is here. The, the soil is four to six and inches down. Oh. And then you wonder why the thing isn't growing. And then he's like, we need think. more soil and it isn't growing, Dad. Just <laughs> leave, leave the, his dad taught him, leave the mulch. They, they leave wanted it, there. it scraped down to that hard pan. Well, here's the, the, the leaf. The, the, the tree is mulching itself and, and giving its nutrients 
to in a, in a, in a rainforest yeah. or yeah. in a in a forest. <laughs> it trees, feeds it's a, itself. Nobody's fertilizing no. it. Nobody's watering it's it. No mow, blow and go. <laughs> yeah. no it's self-sustaining. There's you mean no other Scott's fertilizer out there? There's no drip irrigation. There's nothing. You say. But we have to scrape it up because and nobody is taking the bark away and sterilizing mm-hmm. it and tumbling it and then bringing it back, back. And 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 bringing it back with no nutrients and putting and charging it, in it charging you ten bucks a bag <laughs> a <laughs> plastic bag <laughs> yes all oh, nice it. and sterile <laughs> clean it's clean, clean. <laughs> so actually um, one of the things that one of my um, volunteers at the arboretum said, I have a concrete patio. I, I want to do a hoogle. Mm-hmm. And she said, can I do one on a concrete patio? And I said, honestly, I have no idea. Let's give it a shot. Why <laughs> not try? She has a thriving vegetable garden on, on top of the concrete. And it's only, a, a, it can't be a whole foot deep. Mm-hmm. And it's working. It's working just yeah. fine. Yeah, well, yeah, each, there's no one size fits all. People no. have to... What people can do in their own backyard or things without, yeah. you know, large investments of time and money or things. Using, so what you have, what you using what you have. So what would, like, if, um, especially, I don't know, everybody's listening from around the world, but what are, maybe come to mind, what are some simple, easy steps that people, uh, that Conserve what we talked about today, you know, that they can do um, on their own property or, okay. or on their own gardens? What, um, what number one, check to see where their downspouts are emptying out. And through one means or another, move that water to where you want it, rather than letting it be piped out into the street and, and get away. That would be number one. Number two is here in Southern California, or all over um, the U.S., where we're losing so many trees. When though you see those logs cut down and stacked by the side of the road, look for the ones with the rotten spots in them and snag them and put them into your garden. You're not spreading disease, it's already there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they get ground up into mulch and spread all over, that should worry us a little bit more than dead logs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like to take those logs and stand them up on end. Normally in my garden I have all logs lying down because I don't want to pull water out of the earth mm-hmm. and evaporate it all my swales that logs are horizontal but I use those logs stand them up hollow out as much as I can and put plants in them and they need less water because the log is harvesting water they look absolutely beautiful they give me vertical planting space where I didn't have it before and in the case of the one I'm thinking of by my front door I have a downspout coming down from my roof and it was made to put the water out into the street and that log diverts the water and pushes it into my garden so it's got stacking functions and everybody comes over and looks at it all they see is the beauty of the log with the succulents growing out of it and why didn't i think of that and it's simple things yeah they're very simple things and we just need to share it doesn't cost basically doesn't cost much yeah this time think outside the box and think start. outside the box and it doesn't have to look like everyone <laughs> i love that you have wash tubs there with plants growing out of them <laughs> that just thrills me i like children's wagons and old yes. wheelbarrows yes. with plants i know them. we love need more stuff. plants <laughs> yeah, what's, yeah, what's, uh, yeah 
this is it. And anything else? That's two things. Anything else you can think of that? Anything, anything else? Yes. Um, how much of your your uh, water that you're currently using in your shower, which you goes mm -hmm. into your black water, so you can't get it. Mm -hmm. Go gray water if you yes. can. And if you can't, what kind of climate do you live in? Can you construct an outdoor shower so that mm -hmm. that water goes straight to your trees, <laughs> as it should? Very well. That is why but this this fig looks so and happy. The pomegranates yeah. are so large. I, yeah, I can can feel it. It's <laughs> a, it. There's a shower between the pomegranate and the fig, and, and they're happy. And it doesn't have to even be that formal though. Mm -hmm. People mm -hmm. don't have those skills. Yeah. They can take bamboo mm -hmm. pole that hose. hedging <laughs> and a hose. And coil the hose. We used to use a uh, five-gallon shower bag in the Mojave yes. and hang it on the our camping, tree. The camping, the mm camping -hmm. one. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and it heats in the sun, and mm -hmm. it, there's warm water, and it's it's a zero-cost solution. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we live in California. We I mean, live in California, and if you don't, thank you, because <laughs> we're crowded, because it it's wonderful. Yes. But all of these things can be used around the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So looking at your podcast readers or listeners, your t-shirt says, I'm gardening, what is, what your, is your superpower? superpower? <laughs> so what it, gardening is a superpower. superpower. It is. It is it's, a superpower. It's, it's a, it's uh, very inspiring. It's, it's empowering. I, ha I have a, a vignette. Mm -hmm. My dad was the youngest of five children, and he was born in 1906. And they, uh, his father was a candy maker, a farmer, and the town mayor. And his mother was a housewife. And they had five children, and he was the youngest. Um, so they, the others teased him, but he had to get dragged along mm -hmm. whatever they were mm -hmm. doing. So every day after school, which was emphasized. They all became school teachers. <laughs> Every day after school, uh, they would go out, the kids would take their uh, buckets and they would gather acorns from the California oaks in Central California mm -hmm. to feed the pigs. And that was the kids' job mm -hmm. as part of So they, and my, my dad one day said, why do the oak trees do this? And the other kids all laughed at him, but his oldest sister said, that those are seeds, Leslie. That's the seeds for the oak tree. And he says, well, what will happen if I plant one? And they laughed at him and said, they'll grow an oak tree, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> he says, okay, I'm going to grow, grow one. An oak so, tree. so in Central California, in a farm that's probably long gone called the Gold Top, the There's oak tree that was planted Still in there. 1911 when he was five years old is a massive Quercus agrifolia. Oh my. my dad died when he was 57 years old. That's a long time ago. That oak tree has sheltered generations Just from of that children. One, from that one, one child, conversation, one, one conversation, conversation, one seed. So what we can do when we teach kids about the mm -hmm. environment and taking care of it and being caretakers mm -hmm. is- One acorn. One acorn, mm -hmm. mighty oaks, mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah. more than that, mighty children mm -hmm. that can stop some of the damage that we're doing to this planet and turn it around. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the children, speaking of the children, they are perceptive, they are smart, than most people realize because they're and they want we've had that the school programs yeah, and right. they're, they're they listen to you, they, they repeat it and then they this. go, they t 
they go have tell. their own their own energy and their own en- engine and do their own research and it's like it's amazing how you say oh they're not listening or not paying attention oh, it's like they're paying attention, wow, they're paying attention to everything to yes everything. they are yes they are and not everyone is cut out to be an accountant or a, the things that our school system Eight to five pushes jobs, them yeah. and and were any of you ever asked in your education do you do better indoors or outdoors no they don't ask that and isn't that the number one question we should be asking mm-hmm. kids before we say, what are you going to be when you even, grow up? Even manual labor is actually, like, you know, put down. I mean, without our carpenters and plumbers and, and gardeners, gardeners and I mean, what field be, they're all pushing for that white yeah. collar. I mean, it's like some people actually enjoy. For a living. For a living, time. doing electrical work or carpentry. Gardening. They actually yeah. want to do that. And we don't yeah. actually ask them, is that what you want to do? And actually elevate it as, not even elevate, just Give it the respect Who that deserves. Who do we pay the very least in the world? The manual labor. Uh-huh. And our farmers, mm-hmm. our farm workers. workers. Mm-hmm. They, want, they ask for... We have bankers getting multi-million dollar bonuses for doing ever. terrible things and to the public. <laughs> and we have farm laborers <laughs> being denied a yeah, one yeah. penny yeah, increase mm-hmm. in their wage. Mm-hmm. And yet, all of our health depends mm-hmm. on our food. I know. It's mm-hmm. insane. We are so disconnected. We have a different view of what is actually valued. valuable. Mm-hmm. What is valued? Oh, you wear a suit. You're valued. Really? What? <laughs> you know? That one goes back to the English law. And I Again. Know. I know, right? <laughs> Blame the English. Don't fight the revolution yeah. I thought we were supposed so, to. Yeah. No. Speaking of schools, do you think um, the LA um, passing it? I think passing a unified school district is very open. I mean, there's a lot of programs. There's a lot of private schools. Sequoia, like you were saying, mm-hmm. there's a lot of. Uh, and then I think Waverly even has a garden. They have so a great there's garden. A, especially in Pasadena, Waldorf is yeah. There's a lot of very alternative programs. Waldorf's that, garden has a hoogle in mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. that the kids helped to build. And one day when they were taking a break after building the hoogle. They, uh, uh, they're. <laughs> I'm the advisor on the garden, so I'm not there all the time. I just come in and, and talk with the fabulous gardener in charge, who is also a beekeeper. And she said one day, they let the kids have something to show you, and out comes six girls, and they did Hoogle the musical, <laughs> and it was based on going up and down the hoogle and dance steps and singing about awesome. what how you build it and what the benefits are. Now, that's education. Mm-hmm. Nobody can take that away from yeah. them, ever. Yeah, and you had a saying, too, at, at the New Horizon. What was your thing? It was uh, it was about the cycle of, of water. Maybe share that oh, with our, li- oh, our listeners. That my, my, my song. Your song, yes. I have the children, I have a mosaic that uh, some of my uh, Skid Row participants have mosaic the water cycle for me mm-hmm. and so the kids chant and dance with me and we do condensation condensation mm-hmm. condensation precipitation precipitation mm-hmm. precipitation we go through infiltration transpiration evaporation condensation and then something interrupts that Compaction, and so they get really dramatic. We go through the whole thing: condensation, precipitation, infiltration, transpiration, evaporation. Condensation, compaction, <laughs> and 
And then we do it in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So that, and I say, so now mm -hmm. let's do it in Spanish, and you see the terror in their eyes. But the Spanish speakers step up. Mm -hmm. But everyone can do it. We're mm -hmm. a Latin-based language, mm -hmm. so it's condens condensación, precipitación, filtración, mm -hmm. transpiración, evaporación. But those kids can now go home and teach mm -hmm. somebody who doesn't speak English about what they've learned. Right. So it first of all it flips the the power for mm -hmm. a minute or two expands uh, their base of knowledge that everybody can learn more mm -hmm. whether it's language or weather or gardening we all can learn a lot more than what we're doing right now and we just get dumbed down and we don't have to be libraries and now computers give us access to information everywhere in the world instantaneously instantaneously Speaking of around the world, you got, uh, was it, I think last year you received a Global Citizen Award. Yes. Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. Uh, any, uh, I know you're, you're very busy and with all the schools and your own mosaics and with the skid row and all that stuff, very busy woman. Is there any up, um, upcoming projects that are in the works that you're looking forward to or, or that you can very, share? very excited about um, that massive storm that we had five and a half years mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually six and a half years mm -hmm. ago. In in on December first, it will be seven years. Mm -hmm. So six years ago, I did a show with the wood that came down in that storm, and I mm -hmm. distributed it to 110 artists. Mm -hmm. I actually distributed it to 130 artists, and 110 artists brought it back to the arboretum, mm -hmm. and we had a three-day show and sold. $65,000 worth of art. And after paying artists and expenses, we netted $35,000 to buy new trees for the Arboretum mm -hmm. to replace some of the mm -hmm. over 1,000 mm -hmm. that they lost. Yeah. Yeah. Over the last five years, due to drought and the six different kinds of borers that mm -hmm. are invading, mm -hmm. we lost many more trees. So mm -hmm. taking those trees and distributing them, this time to 140 artists, and we'll see how many bring their work, their work back. Yeah. Uh, we are going to have a show uh, from December 1st to December 10th, oh, nice. Forces of Nature 2. And I'm really excited about it. Some of the wood that came down were, or that died in the drought, are very rare trees that people have never seen the wood from before. Mm -hmm. And the wood is beautiful, and the artists are making gorgeous things out of it. And everything from a little tiny egg-sized kaleidoscope out of Meta Sequoia, which is the mother of all redwoods mm -hmm. that was thought to be extinct, mm -hmm. all the way up to our local Engelman oaks. Mm -hmm. Um, and many other species that just don't belong in California and therefore died from the drought. Mm -hmm. Maples are a good example. Mm -hmm. yeah. Eucalyptus yeah. Eucalyptus is bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, caused issues for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It messed up the ecosystem for, ecosystem for a lot of things. Yeah. Took the water down. Yeah. And, yeah. So if um, people around Los Angeles work and they um, you know, learn more about you. Learn, what see, you see, on. yeah, what you got going on. See your work. Where, how you classes, suggest? Yeah, classes. Where, where to find you online? Or where <laughs> okay. to see how? Oh all my your goodness. Good stuff. Okay, um, my website has not been updated in so long that it currently uh, it's there, but it doesn't have any of my garden work on it. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's laglassart.com. Um, as in Lee Adams or in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, how about that? How about that? Yeah. But you're on Facebook. I'm on Facebook mm -hmm. under my name, and my avatar is a laughing child that looks very much like me when I was a kid, and a camel, <laughs> representing the dry gardener. Mm -hmm. And then um, arboretum.org, our uh, arboretum has the first arboretum website, and mm -hmm. so arboretum.org, and under arboretum.org, the Crescent Farm, mm -hmm. it has its own web page, and then the Crescent Farm also has a Facebook page. Awesome. Oh, really good. And so is there anything, um, coming up in Crescent Farms, like uh, upcoming events for the public or? Yes, we have free classes there four to six times a year um, and they're spectacular. They are on site either about the various water harvesting means. Um, I believe John Latsko is doing the next one in September and that is, um, maybe it's October. It, that one is on native plants, mm -hmm. and the one following that in November is on planting a meadow. Mm -hmm. And last year, the meadow we have growing there right now was planted during that class last year. So people got a hands-on experience of what makes a difference in getting your plants to sprout. And they said, but this is so easy, isn't there something? Yeah. No. Yeah, they overcomplicated it. Yeah, like composting. Like composting. Right. Overcomplicate <laughs> composting just a little. Like, in the olden thing, days, things just died and they composted. Yes, yeah. compost Nature did it its own self. <laughs> it didn't read the book. <laughs> Carbon ratio. Yeah. Stack it in good little mm. layers. And uh, nature just goes, compost. Is it a dessert? Or is it a compost pile? Read a book on compost. Put it in a pile. Compost happens. Sorry. Compost happens. That's a great. No, that's wonderful. So we're coming to a close of our podcast. Any maybe thoughts? Last things. Last things to share with our listeners. Like I said, we have listeners from all over the world and. Love to have you back again and um, maybe talk some more stuff because there's so much things to talk about. But what would you like to share, um, you know, today? I think that everybody has room for a plant, and that whether it's in a window or on a patio, that every child should have a bag worth of soil. And you don't have to have a pot. Just get a bag of soil, poke some holes in it, turn the mm -hmm. top down, and let them plant a sunflower seed. And watch that little tiny seed grow to something bigger than they are. Watch that plant be alive and the bloom and turn to face the sun. the sun. See the Fibonacci sequence and the way the seeds are arranged. Mm -hmm. Watch the wildlife flock to it and realize the power that each one of us has to make a difference. Mm -hmm. That's what I would want anyone to. Mm -hmm. an acorn. That, it, that or an acorn. Find an acorn. <laughs> yeah, so. Or wow. a mulberry, yeah, or yeah, yeah. it's okay, whatever yeah. it is, yeah, plant so it. Cherry tomatoes. Yeah. So the cherry tomatoes. <laughs> so the school year starts, I guess, I don't know if our listeners heard, but you could hear the kids coming in out of school this afternoon. Um, I, I'll, I'll start up, uh, we'll start up the homestead, we'll start up the after, after school, school farm to table and 
Well, I guess we'll be seeing you around with your peace garden. I cannot live without uh, your fresh produce and lemon curd. I know you're lemon say. curd. <laughs> <laughs> The lemon curd, yes. yes. Yeah, got that. Or the lemon curse, if you're yeah, the one who's making it. I like making it, I'll especially it. with the fresh <laughs> eggs and stuff. It's it's really oh, good. So. I am totally, totally spoiled by it. I will have a bowl of cottage cheese with lemon curd on it. Oh, <laughs> have been. The fresh eggs <laughs> and the fresh yes. lemons. Yes. Seems like good. And on lemon curd. Yeah, we'll end on lemon curd. We'll right. post the recipe hey. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Next right. podcast. Yeah, so again, Lee, thank you so much. Oh, for it's always a pleasure and delight, delight to, to see, see you. you crossing the street. <laughs> Sharing their stories. Sharing your stories. You're very, like I said, you passionate. passionate and good energy and just have, you know, a great, a yeah, touch a lot Thanks of people in our community, yeah, here on the planet. Yes, Aww, so, thank you. And Thanks sharing what for, you did, so for what you guys do and mm -hmm. providing that opportunity mm -hmm. and teaching kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. All right, so to to kids and to the form of table, we'll be seeing you. So, all right, we like to thank our readers for um, tuning in again. I mean, our readers, our listeners, sorry. And um, we'll we'll um, see you next, next time. See you next time. Yeah. Let's go down to the urban homestead, Pasadena by the freeway. Right down there on the urban homestead, Jules and his family are working away. Come on down to the farm in the city, back to the future, back to the plan. Right down there on the urban homestead, loving the life back into the land. Oh, oh, oh. help the garden grow, singing. Oh, oh, oh. we've got to help the garden. The Urban Homestead theme song was written and recorded by Tom Fair. Thanks, Tom. We've come to the end of this show. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in again. Until next time, this is Anais, Justin, Jordan. Keep, Keep on growing. Remember to follow us on our website, urbanhomestead.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We love to hear your feedback. And if you'd like to become a podcast patron, go to urbanhomestead.org forward slash podcast.